seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard. Here are some fun facts about pigs. Adult pigs can run at speeds of up to 11 miles per hour, which is the equivalent of a seven-minute mile. A pig's squeal can be as loud as 115 decibels, which is three decibels higher than the sound of a supersonic jet. The pig is associated with fertility and virility in China, and for this reason, Chinese couples who are trying to have children will often place a pig statue in their bedroom. Pigs have no sweat glands, which is why they roll around in mud to cool off. Pigs have the intelligence of a human toddler and are ranked as the fifth most intelligent animal in the world. In fact, pigs are more intelligent and trainable than any breed of dog. They learn their names in just two weeks and come when they're called. Pigs are even capable of playing video games better than some primates. My guest today is not actually a pig. They didn't oink, squeal, or wallow in mud at any point during the time we spent together. But you know, I wouldn't put it past them. But they did strike me as very intelligent, certainly more than a dog or primate. And in fact, I'd say they're far more intelligent than many other adult humans I've met before. Their name is Pig. They are a musician, a wanderer, and a mystic. Pig is a chosen appellation, the story of which we'll hear in the course of the episode. But before we get to that, I wanted to share a little bit about how this episode came about. Pig reached out to me on Instagram and asked if I could possibly help them set up a show here in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I did. And since I got the distinct impression they'd be someone worth chatting with while they were here, I asked if we could record a podcast. And so we did. Since we parted ways, shortly after their show, I've continued thinking about Pig and their journey. About what it means to wander or be in a place, or be in civilization, or roam about at civilization's edges. Pig's story reminds me a little of the episode How to Say No to God that I recorded with Majo John Madden, another itinerant mystic who wandered into my life one day. So what does it mean when a wanderer and a wizard cross paths? Am I the teacher or the student? What strange lessons can be found in the conversations arising from colliding in coincidence? I don't know. I, like my new friend Pig, and merely a humble wizard, keeping my nose to the dirt and sniffing out what secrets and stories I might find. So let's pull back from my wizardly tendencies to overcomplicate everything and instead embrace the porcine wisdom of our new friend as we learn how to be a simple pig. And then stay tuned after the episode for a special song from Pig. Okay, before we get into this ritual, I have a very important question I have to ask you at the top. Yes. Are you a cop? No. Because you have to tell me if you are. I'm not. Okay, but your name is Pig. It is. Okay, and what's our magic word? 
Our magic word is uh, an exhale while clenching the throat. Ooh, how does that sound? Can you give us an example? Okay, so on the count of three, one, two, three. Ooh, like that. Where did that come from? Um, I've been studying phonetics and studying Sanskrit and thinking about the sounds that we make and how to notate them. Also, as a singer, um, I use much of my body as an acoustic instrument, uh, not just the mouth and the throat. And so um, I think about how to notate and communicate these things. Yeah, I've, I've done uh, with one of my friends who was on the podcast, John Stancato, who's a voice teacher, done some really cool exercises around that and just realizing that your whole body is a resonant chamber for the sound that we make is uh, fascinating. So got another big question for you. Lay it on me. Who are you? No, I love that question. <laughs> and so the question, who am I, mm-hmm. what am I, even where am I or whence am I, is a way that I find myself, mm-hmm. you know. And so who am I would be, uh, I'm silent, mm-hmm. I guess, when you ask the question, because if I think too deeply about it, now I have a uh, a body Mm-hmm. That was um, born and named Eric Alexander, okay. engendered male, and has a uh, legal history and such. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I partially identify as that, but I think it's keep one foot on the base. Yeah, yeah. You know, for uh, practical means, mm-hmm. but I'm certainly more than that. It's hard for me to say when I end and when you begin. Mm-hmm. For instance, on another side, and so um, I'm not sure. I believe that we all extend beyond the senses, you know, mm-hmm. and so then uh, who is possessing which sense um, is, I don't know, uh, a trick of the mind almost that one plays on oneself. Mm-hmm. Normally, I know a little bit more about my guests, but you sort of uh, like a magic owl brought uh, me a message from you asking if I would set you up a show here in Louisville. Yeah. And now you have arrived. And so I'm just I've, I've just been enjoying waiting in mystery to oh, discover yeah. more. So how did you get here? What's what's how did you become pig? I became pig. I spent um, a significant amount of time withdrawing from uh, my friends and my circles and my uh, life as a musician, kind of investigate um, myself, figure out what I am, what I want to do. I suppose this is coming from a crisis of a brain tumor. Okay, I had to learn to walk and talk and read and write um, after a traumatic brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, How long ago was this? This was in 2014. Okay. And um, I developed kind of an identity as a disabled person for a time, and also as a person who was going to die yeah. soon. And that turned out to be false. I've lived significantly longer than I had anticipated, and I'm finding that I'm going to have, hopefully, a much longer life uh, and a lot of time to do things. And so I'm restructuring uh, the way that I approach the world in my life as a consequence. And so I became pig, essentially. I think uh, I was reading something and it was talking about a pig as a symbol of infinite ignorance. And mm. the word pig kind of kept ringing through my mind. And I was making up little fantasies and poems and things like this at the same time, assigning meaning to, to sounds and all of that, and to perceptions. Um, 
And so I, I took on the name as a temporary trick upon myself to remind myself that my, my ignorance is infinite and that uh, there is always more to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, also to have a laugh and make fun of myself. I, I Hey, I, I'll sign off on that one for sure. I think there's something amazing about the names and words that kind of float around us all the time and then the way that they change in their power. Like I could give the name Carol and I might not know a Carol, maybe you do or don't, but it's just sort of a name. And then if Carol becomes your new partner, your best friend or your bandmate, suddenly that name becomes something completely different. And so the word pig we use it all the time. It means, you know, an animal or a slur for a cop or to pig out. There's various things associated. And they're often very negative. And they're often very negative. I wanted to undo this in my head. You right. Know, I used to be uh, active in the political scene. And of course, we call cops pigs. Yeah. You know, um, and I also uh, even ate pigs at one point mm-hmm. in my life. And, and people think of them as dirty and in this sort of thing. And I wanted to undo these uh, thought patterns that were negative around an animal um, and an animal that experiences a lot of violence um, thoughtlessly and often in secret in slaughterhouses and such. I'm not trying to guilt anybody that uh, that does eat whatever they choose to eat. But for me, I... Just do it with full intention. It. Know that you're yes. feasting upon suffering. As long as you do yeah. that, then you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. You just can't hide in your own ignorance unless... Yeah. Which is then infinite. <laughs> yeah, it, it is infinite. And so I mean, you're always trying to get out of something that's infinite. How are you going to do that? Yeah. It's worth the striving, I think, for some reason. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. So um, in 2014, you were, in some sense, a completely different person because you went through this traumatic event and really had to restructure your brain in a intentional way. Yeah. Um, so how long was that period of recovery for you? Um, medically, uh, the brain... C- that you recover as much as you will mm-hmm. after about two years. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's kind of working with what you have is mm-hmm. what I'm finding. Uh, you take what you have and what you do well and, and work that to the maximum amount and uh, forget about the things that you used to do that you can't do anymore. Yeah. Um, so the recovery is kind of unending, I guess. Right. Or the rehabilitation is unending. Um, but medically you know as far as the damage to the brain and such uh and to the rest of me um that was over uh in 2016 i guess were there certain functions that you lost completely i'm, I'm just so fascinated with the oh, way the yeah. brain like rewires and what forever uh perception of my right hand side and i had phantom limbs and all sorts of things okay. going on over there um and then the muscles in my body shifted a little bit uh, because I move differently based on what I can feel and perceive. When you say like awareness, you mean like the sense of touch on that side or like the proprioception? I have of... the sense of touch. It's like it's the spatial perfect perception mm-hmm. of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, there are plenty of things I can't seem to feel on my right, on my right side. It's like much of it is not really there. Yeah. Um, I can touch it and I can feel the sense of it if you come up and touch it. Uh, but the spatial recognition of it, it, it seemed to not even quite belong to my body. Yeah. That's fascinating because that's one of the senses that I'm so intrigued by because there's the common senses, you know, seeing, hearing, tasting, like all of those kind of obvious ones. But there's, I think, like another layer of senses which we're often unaware of because they're just so yes. 
basic to our function that we don't really think about them. But, you know, if you close your eyes and then you try and touch your nose, you're, you have an awareness of your nose and an awareness of your finger and you're connecting those two. And so that's interesting to have that be off because there's a part of the brain that is different now. Yeah. I also have uh, synesthesia. I can see sounds and, okay. and taste with my hands sometimes and move sounds around in the air and strange things like this. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Does that, do you enjoy that or is it like uncomfortable or disruptive? Uh, it can be both. both yeah. Um, I've grown to enjoy it because it's just a part of my life and to laugh at it when, when something's off, you know? Well, I think what you're saying is so um, amazing to hear. And again, you know, this is all new to me. So I'm enjoying, uh, along with you listeners, of just learning as we go and peeling back a little bit of that infinite ignorance. But I think our culture is so focused on this idea of transformation now when everyone wants to be something else, becoming something, improving this and this and this. But often we don't realize how sacrifice is involved. And that part of that transformation is killing, letting go, destroying what came before so something new can grow. And it sounds like you experienced that um, pretty literally. Oh, yeah. Everything that I knew about myself and what I what yeah. I do was pretty much stripped from me. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I couldn't do anything that I was used to doing. And uh, I did latch on to the music and managed to pick that up first. Yeah. And uh, like relearning to play a little bit? Or, uh, yes, yeah. yes. And eventually making, playing a lot. Yeah. But it took a while to get that together. One of the first times I uh, stepped into a band practice, I reached out to touch the microphone and I was shocked. And a phantom limb that was on my right side disappeared when the electricity went through my neurology. Wow. Isn't that wild? It was a phantom limb that had like kind of been like stable that you've been feeling? And then yeah, it, was it, it had been there uh, since the surgery. This yeah. was uh, maybe six months later. Wow. So there were like multiple phantom limbs or just, just that one that I okay. remember so clearly, but there were other things where, you know, I don't know where yeah. things are, what my body's doing that were mysterious. Yeah. That's amazing. And so then from getting back into music, what, uh, tell me just a little bit more about the journey that's led you to your recent travels and appearing at my doorstep. Right. I, um, so I moved out. I was supposed to be moving into an ashram uh, in Nevada City uh, right on the day that the pandemic closed everything down. So I found a trailer far out in the mountains mm -hmm. and I decided you know, from there I could hike over a mountain and see nothing except for uh, nothing that was man-made. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of solitude out there to, to heal. Um, and so I spent that time alone. And at that time, I'd also kind of given up music. I kind of took on many kind of austere vows mm -hmm. uh, to say, I'm not going to distract myself with this or that. And what would my life be like without music? Because I grew up playing my father. My family were all musicians. And I took the stage at the age of four, I think. Wow. And so that was a consistent thing in my life. And it was my primary language in a way. And so I just kind of took that out to see what was there and um, got a lot of, got things out of that. And then I um, picked it up one day and uh, took back to it. And I approached it in a completely different way. Yeah. So were you spiritual before the brain surgery? Was this something that kind of came back in a new way or had always been present? I'm curious uh, to learn. My spirituality uh, showed up around the age of 25 
uh, when I started to take people like Joseph Campbell seriously, I was like a hardcore materialist and atheist mm-hmm. uh, for for a long time. And uh, probably around 24, 25, um, after a friend died, mm-hmm. um, well, just before that, I was doing a lot of psychedelics and uh, getting turned on to people like Terrence McKenna and uh, different thoughts like that. So really my spirituality came through psychedelia, especially Be Here Now and, mm-hmm. and Ram Dass. And uh, I ended up entering into a Sufi lineage for a time and uh, had my the most powerful experiences of my life during that time. Um, and then it seemed as though, you know, I, I felt like I was had been burning brilliantly and in love with the whole mm-hmm. universe and that sort of thing. And uh, then I just, my soul just kind of went dark and I was like, what happened? You know, and uh, started to become really hedonistic for a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, would have been in 2016 or so, I, it was like I was seized in my third eye by some kind of magnetic beam and I had a discussion with it. And then, uh, I started shedding layers and changing. Yeah. That, that idea of shedding layers sounds really like when you were describing earlier about going out to be away from things that were man-made I, th- I think nothing is such a fascinating thing because you always get something out of it, which is very paradoxical. And so that process of constantly kind of like peeling back to see what's at the the barest level yeah. and then rebuilding and realizing that you, you might have lost the instructions and you rebuilt something different this time. Yeah, yeah I consciously, almost from a total void, uh, consciously put something together that I could utilize to play music and travel. I think that's really, um, so, I mean, there's a lot of parallels with my own wizard story, which I don't know how much you're familiar with. But uh, my friend listened to a few uh, episodes of the podcast, but I'd love to hear more. Well, sure. Uh, but yeah, so the, the basic, you know, similarities are at the time that I decided to transform into a wizard, I was also going through um, health issues with my knee, which resulted in getting medication that turned all of my hair white. So, you know, like realizing, I mean, I, I dealt with the knee stuff for like 10 years before it ever became a boon that, you know, but just realizing how something that one person would go, oh my God, a brain tumor, a knee condition, like these things that you like absolutely don't want are all doorways that lead you someplace that you wouldn't have gone other way. And I think also um, what you just said about the intentionality of like trying to figure out your music as a vehicle to let you do something else. Um, as I was building the wizard identity, which is sort of like, you know, trying to build a boat while you're swimming in the ocean. Um, I was thinking strategically about like, what are the experiences that I want? Oh, well, I like talking. I love hearing the sound of my own voice. I love getting to meet interesting people. So how can I use my magic, my ritual, my podcast as a sort of, um, you know, beautiful flower to attract the the bees I'm fascinated with? Yeah. And so, Let's pick up where we left off at the ashram. So you're out in the woods, stripping everything away, finding ways to play or not play music. Yeah. Um, Playing the notes you don't hear. Well, uh, you know, all of them, you couldn't go to shows or anything like that. First of all, there was nothing out there. Right. But in and the, pandemic, right? And the pandemic. Yeah. So even uh, if there were people around, they were all at home. Um, and the first show I heard about was the Larkin Grimm Cookie Tongue Tour. Mm. And I was like, you know, it would be nice to be around some people. I, the only time I'd been around people was when I would go to trim, uh, a trim at the local weed farms and stuff. Right. And that was only seasonal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it'd be great to engage in something, uh, something like that cultural experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went to a few of those shows that were fantastic. And I thought, 
you know, I could do this again. Before I got sick, I'd been traveling for maybe eight years playing in different bands and stuff like that and really enjoyed my life as a traveler. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do that. I had uh, taken home a couple of wandering Christian mystics while I was out in the mountains and they had they cast lots every morning and they would determine where they were going to go the next day. They'd been doing it for seven years. Oh, wow. And they told me they had hiked the entire Pacific coast. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Um, in, in that process, I'll also find out what's happening in California, where the clubs are, mm -hmm. uh, what people are like, uh, and make connections with people and start putting a tour together that way. And I met a lot of cool people. Yeah. Boots on the ground. Yeah. Boots on the ground. And just those beaches are mind blowing. It was, yeah. it was a fantastic experience. Well, one of the things that I've learned is that everything leads to something. And, um, and so it's always, you know, whenever I do an event or something, it's not like I'm looking for the return right away, but I just know that someone that came to that thing is going to then reach out at some point and yada, yada. And so, um, Larkin Grin and Cookie Tongue are, um, friends of mine from New York that I know, and, I moved to Kentucky during the pandemic and it was about a year after I'd moved that things were starting to kind of reopen and I'd toured with Cookie Tongue a few times and they reached out and said, hey, we're looking to book a tour. Can you do something in Louisville? And there's a community garden just across the alley behind my house that we volunteer in. And so we'd done a couple of like potlucks there and I thought, yeah, this seems like a, a cool spot. Let's do it here. And it was just one of those things where everything came together and um, the local band that I booked, Isolation Tank Ensemble, who have since become dear friends of mine, brought an amazing crowd. So we had like, I don't know, like 100, 150 people out there in the garden. And just one of those times where everyone that you can see has missed this, has not been to this in a while, and is very aware in the moment how special and sacred it yeah. is. And so it was very cool. And that was my first public wizard performance here in Louisville. And so after being here for a year, kind of just, um, you know, in pause, figuring out what my new version of myself was going to be. It was a very cool, um, what do they call those? Like, not cotillion, but like the balls where you cut the debutante ball, <laughs> like my wizard <laughs> debutante ball, where I got to stand in a garden and do a little thing. And so it's cool now to know that that, um, that echoes, that ripples. And yeah. you were riding a similar wave that their last tour yeah. created, and that's brought you here as well. That's totally true. That's a consequential tour, huh? Yeah. So crazy to think of what you being here now is going to create in the future. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. We'll Ripples. Tune back in. Yeah, someone listening now is going to go check out your music, Larkin, Cookie Tongue, and find their own inspiration to strip it all down and build it back up. Yeah. I'm playing with Cookie Tongue in Providence at the mm -hmm. Red Ink Library. I'm really that sounds fortuitous. Yeah. Uh, so California, how long were you uh, hiking for? Well, um, I lived there for a year and a half before okay. I set out on the hike and, um, the hike, I hiked from the border with Tijuana to Big Sur over four months yeah. and, um, near the end of April, uh, this began in December. I, uh, took a train to Ashland to hang out with my friends and their family. So what was your experience of hiking? Like, did you, you know, were you on a kind of, I think like, I know there's like the Pacific coast trail yeah. and like the Appalachian trail and these things where everyone gets their REI gear and they've got their oh, yeah. stuff and they're like ready to go. Was that, are you Extreme going a little slower? minimalism. I mean, yeah. when I, when I moved to that trailer, all I had was a guitar and a meditation pillow, 
some uh, books about reading Sanskrit and that sort of thing. Really just, I'm, I keep everything that minimal yeah. in a sleeping bag. So I took a sleeping bag, a guitar, and uh, I wore purple wool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's antimicrobial. So I wouldn't have to wash it quite as often. And I, I just slept on the beaches and yeah. I walked along outside. I would uh, grab grocery. What The reason I chose the coastal trail is that it's more of a cultural experience mm-hmm. uh, than something like the PCT. I'd already been in John Muir country alone for years. Yeah. And I thought I want to be around people. So uh, every beach had a different culture, different art coming out of it. Some beaches were for people with dogs and families. Others were wild people drinking and jumping off of cliffs, you yeah. know. And uh, I saw Elon Musk walking along and outside of a bunch of ex- expensive houses. Um, I saw violence, you know, on, on some beaches when I was confronted by people, you know, who were probably running things on the beach, wanted to know some things about me. Mm. And uh, and that's just life, you know. Um, but it, it all there's a different flavor and a different culture in every area. And I that's one of the because the only thing that's the same uh, when you move like that every day, this is a teaching from Neem Karoli Baba who says, uh, you know, the yogin should move like a river that uh, drops sediment as it moves along and you drop sediments and attachments and they don't form. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that remains the same is yourself and uh, the people are changing. The scenery is changing, all of that. And you just kind of drop and drop, and drop everything. Mm-hmm. And when those things drop away, other things come into starker relief, I think. That's one of the things with our modern world is that there's so little nothing, so little blank space that it's hard to appreciate the miracles we're inundated with. They're pouring yeah. in from every direction. And so I remember my own kind of vagabond days, how, you know, a bagel untoasted, just pulled out of a backpack when you're hungry and you're sitting someplace beautiful is an entire feast. It's pure bliss. It's too. bliss. Yeah. yeah. It's pure bliss. Now, I'm a, I'm a freak about health foods. Everything I have, you know, I'd rather have... Uh, health food than clean clothes or a warm place to sleep. I, I like, um, you know, fungal allies and plant allies and like maximum nutrition. So I wouldn't go for a bagel. I, I, I would eat a bagel and I would be grateful to have yeah. it. Uh, but that's where I, I kind of put everything in this minimalist lifestyle of being healthy enough and aware enough to conquer anything, mm-hmm. uh, even a, a 30 mile hike. Uh, through the wilderness or, or to conquer uh, being in a new town and learning that the public transportation like that, you yeah. know, or, um, you know, just being uh, efficient as, as efficient as possible uh, while leaving little or no trace um, and l- creating little or no karmas. And I, I'm hesitant to go out on tour because my presence is felt everywhere that I go. I'm leaving lots of footprints and records and things like that. And I, I you never know what's going to come back. So it's a post picture of myself. <laughs> I think that's the wonderful part. You know, I think yeah. um, if, if we were meant to just slowly starve to death in meditation on the side of a mountain, like why, why do we bother incarnating in the first place? Yeah. And so I think contributing something to that fray, knowing we can't control it and there's always unforeseen, you know, movements in those eddies and currents of our ripples. But, uh, I think moving through the world and leaving your impression on it is a very important part of that experience. I think that, I think life is almost only about enjoyment. Mm. And uh, if you enjoy moving around and maybe causing some ripples, uh, that's just fine. I like desire and enjoyment. Yeah. 
Yeah. I desire enjoyment and enjoy desire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what's next? Um, right. I'm trying to make as much music as possible. I have a record in my mind that I intend to make in May. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm on tour, uh, until August 1st, I'm moving to Portland for six months. I'm going to play the scene there, mm -hmm. hopefully put a band together. Then we're going to tour uh, across Piglets. the country. <laughs> I'm not sure what we'll call it. Um, I might, you know, pig fulfills a psychological function, um, especially while walking along a beach, introducing myself to strangers and such. I'm not sure that it uh, will serve the function of a band. I might have to find a completely different yeah. name and aesthetic and everything. Uh, but uh, it's almost just for me. Pig is just for me, you know. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about like there, there have been moments where, you know, when I was living in New York and I'm going out to ride the subway train in my wizard robes and I'm wearing a literal costume and yet I feel more like myself than I ever had at any point. And I think there's some element to when you take on an artificial identity, you realize the extent to which all identity is artificial, which then yes. lets you feel very comfortable in saying, what's the new character? How can I be? Uh, the David Bowie of my life and not yes. just have that's when I lived in that state and that's when I lived over there and that's when I worked for that company but like have your freaking Ziggy Stardust years and yes. Piggy Stardust <laughs> uh, whatever you, you want to be <laughs> I love you friend I agree with all of that yeah so alright we're looking forward to this album mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to do a European tour uh, after I release the record um, to do a European tour and an Australian tour. I have friends there and I want to see it. It's been a while since I've been overseas. Yeah. Just go on. There's beaches everywhere that you can wander along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about your experience of solitude and being out in the wilderness and just kind of like how long, like what was the longest periods that you were away from people and just on your own? You know, much of the time I would go to town, yeah. I would have to take a bus into town and it would take all day to get there and get my groceries and come back. And I would see kind of the same people on the bus and at the store. You'd just be kind of camped up out, out of the town. Yeah. Uh, well, I was in, on the hike, it was different right? because uh, I was surrounded by people, but I was still in solitude mm -hmm. because I never would see them again. Yeah. Um, but it still just felt, it felt like it was just me when I was living in the trailer um, you know, I would see people, uh, once every six days or so approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only time, as long as I would be out there without coming into town to resupply, it would be four days, yeah. you know? Um, and I did as much of that as I could cause I love, uh, Mount Shasta. I love the Shasta Trinity wilderness and, um, everything all through Siskiyou County. It's just beautiful when it's not on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you can say that about most things. Although sometimes things that are on fire are also beautiful. But that's true too. You but, can have some beautiful fires, but sometimes there's a sense of total doom and dread and fear. And it's like too much. It's it like is, we get it. You're much. burning. Like yeah. calm down. Like we get it. <laughs> well, let's talk about magic. All right, let's talk about magic. So before we get into the spell, we're going to weave for our listeners. Tell me what magic means to you. I know you wrote a zine recently that uh -huh. is very magical, but just tell me a little bit about your take on magic. So I have this idea that I think of magic as the imaginal sphere. It's, it's, we have many bodies and the imaginal body uh, of the larger body is where magic occurs, is where dream occurs. And so things that pertain to this uh, imaginary domain mm -hmm. are magic. Uh, and I think that uh, a lot of intention in this faster imaginal realm 
uh, towards objectives uh, will then be uh, become a part of our, uh, I guess, corporal existence. Mm-hmm. That there's a translation between the two. I think you can heal yourself by imagining yourself as healthy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I think um, I, I, it's always tricky for me because I I want to, there's so many excesses that I want to stay away from where people get caught up in the idea and then they sell it back to you of like, you know, oh, if you just think the right thoughts, then oh, you yeah. can be whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. And I think there's dangers there. But I think the truth is exactly what you just described is that everything kind of starts in that other realm and learning how to clarify your own thoughts about where do I want to go won't get you precisely there, but it will move you in the right direction. I think it means nothing mm-hmm. to want to imagine oneself. Uh, it's more you become what you concentrate upon. Right. Uh, this is a passage in the Bhagavad Gita that I hold as true and possibly one of the most powerful occult teachings is that you become what you concentrate upon and that the power lies in concentration. Love it. Well, let's talk about spell. All right. What can our listeners do to bring a little bit of uh, pig magic? into their lives. I I go right back to this idea of just doing what you want. That's what I do. Like, do not apologize for it. Do what you really want. And you're probably going to do the most loving thing most of the time, uh, especially with practice. I love that. That's, um, that's one of the mantras that I use all the time is do whatever you want. Don't do whatever you don't want. And I think sometimes people will hear it and kind of miss it, assume that it's some sort of, you know, self-centered teenage anarchism of like, no rules, I'll just take care of myself. But it's actually, for me at least, about appreciation that pretty much almost constantly you are doing the things that you want and you're not doing the things that you don't want. And if you feel that you're not, you just haven't really thought through your decision-making process. Like if you're like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Well, are you going to? Well, you are because you're choosing that you don't want those other consequences and you're making that decision to act according to those things. But below all of that is the total freedom that you have to, with the options available to you in any moment, do what you want and not do what you don't want. Yeah, I like that. That's in the domain of the mental body and the intellectual uh, struggle of of desire and, and that sort of thing. And I, sometimes I go to a different definition of desire, which is desire is what is pumping this heart. Yeah. Something, some, an intelligence that's in me that I, it's already there. I'm already desire incarnate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I lose desire, then I'll lose in my incarnation, yeah. you know? And so that's a, another definition of desire and a different uh, domain of desire. And I like that anything, any word is a concept that can be defined in so many different ways. Yeah. So I'm thinking for the listeners of, of for doing what they want this week, I wonder how there's a way that we can make it. Cause I think often that's very challenging for people. You know, you say, what do you want? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> Decision. Yeah. A cupcake. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's very hard. Um, so is there any practice that they could use to kind of figure out perhaps in their imaginal body, what that desire, what that want is leading them towards this week? I bring awareness into the body and the breath. And I find my deepest wants there. And they're usually pretty simple. Wonderful. So I think our spell is going to be maybe take like 10 or 20 really slow deep breaths. That's a wonderful practice. And then just sort of trust that you'll find your desire at the bottom of those and then do what you want. I like that. Thank you, Pig. Thank you, Devin. For more of Pig's Magic, you can visit asimplepig.info 
or a simplepig.bandcamp.com to check out their music, which is great and very mystical and sorcerous, and I would highly recommend it. And for more of This Podcast is a Ritual, you can visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, where for just $4.20, you can join the ritual, help me, help you, help everyone make the world a slightly better place, so that one day we can all just be pigs and grunt around in the mud with each other in a brave new world. So without further ado, let's hear the song A Vision is Bestowed by Pig. And then I'll send you off into the world to do whatever it is that you want to do. You fell in love with your own mind the moment that you gave yourself a look. The feeding these people to invisible monsters, magicians are scribbling in their books. See a palace with the gold. In a dark 
Boxes, screaming at one another, choking each other, harming one another. All of them in these boxes in fours. We flew, my brother and I, out over this weird castle. We flew, flew, flew over the ocean. swam down deep into the water like a dolphin in this sea of love so luminous so playful on the sides the the ocean was hemmed in by people on pillars at the edges of the ocean all women on one side young girls actually and young boys on the right side I flew, I flew into the ocean, took a little dive, like a dolphin, like a dolphin. And then I came upon, it was like two seas crashing into one another, pushed against each other perfectly, and one was uh, this blue, kind, warm sea, and the other, it, uh, it was like a deep green, it was a nasty green color, and when I would push up against the second sea, I would feel sick, as though there was violence, I'd feel disgust, total disgust at it. I've found this place again and there is murder there it is the sea of bitterness sometimes I feel that I'm lost there but usually I just remember this dream and it brings me out of this uh dark, it's almost like a corridor, with a chamber in it, where the sea of sweetness and the sea of bitterness meet. I fly, fly, fly away with my brother and the sword, sword, sword in the hand.
to her heart. Swaying in the breeze in a wilderness park, doing as she pleases. A contempted witch with her hand to her heart. Swaying in the breeze in a wilderness park, doing as she pleases. And to kiss her, like an old goat grazing on a garlic sprout, and make you jump and A contented witch with her hand to her heart Swaying in the breeze in a wilderness park Doing as she pleases And to kiss her Like an old goat grazing on a spearmint I get the feeling again, I get the feeling again She's in her power Secure and strong, drawing her boundaries, her right and her wrong, and to kiss her like a no goat grazing on a garlic sprout. It'll make you jump and shout, it'll make you jump and shout, it'll make you jump and shout, it'll make a